Welcome to Mindful Conversations with me. My name is Matt. And my name is Rob. We are your co-hosts on today's episode, and we're talking about a foundational relational concept. What is that, Dr. Rob? Oh, doesn't it go by the name of trust? And respect. And respect. Welcome. So good to see you here in the studio, my good friend. <laughs> Likewise. It's Monday morning here in it Richland, is. Michigan. Um, great weekend. For, yes. For for me. Um, you were busy. We were doing some training here. Yes, all weekend the, long. At the Response Care Center doing some EMDR training. And you got to see your daughter, your son-in-law, your grandkids, your son. You got some family time. Yes, we did, because my daughter helped um, host the, the, what would it be, the workshop, seminar, conference, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, your daughter, Nicole, right? Yes. And uh, we wanted to just give her a shout out, so I'm going to do this. Nicole, you're awesome. Thanks for coming all the way up from Illinois. Yes, we appreciate it. To help us out here at the Response Care Center. Fabulous. And uh, my daughter, Kaylin, is uh, starting her first career job down in Augusta, Georgia. Shout out to Kaylin. If you're listening, yes, Kaylin, you're a rock star. So that's what we're doing. Hey, we're building trust and respect with our kids by pumping them up and making them believe that we care. Yes, that's exactly right. It's important to make them believe. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, my other daughter, Emma... Uh, she's in Morrisville, New York, studying equestrian rehabilitation. She's doing awesome. So it's very doubtful my kids even listen to this podcast. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> hey, guys, I've got a podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, so what? I don't even know if they listen to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that either because uh, Maya never mentions it. So, yeah. Well, we are excited uh, for today's topic and appreciate all of you tuning in. Uh, to our program. And uh, as always, we just want to have a conversation about topics that are of interest to us and hopefully of interest to you. And uh, we just got done with a three-part series with Cliff Berry on clean language. Um, That was um, inspirational for us to think about next topic, which would be trust. Yes. Trust and respect. And uh, how, how do you want to start this conversation today, Dr. Rob? That's a good question. Um, I think I'll start it with asking you, how would you define trust and respect? Well, um, you know, I've got some, some thoughts here on my computer. You know, respect and trust, the two easiest things in life for someone to lose and the hardest thing to get back. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some, somebody said uh, respect is earned. Honesty is appreciated. Trust is granted. Loyalty is returned. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, just some things that we throw out there. Broken trust and anger will close a heart until honesty and love is once again found. Yeah. Um, you know, the reality is, for me, I love working in relationships. I mean, my my work is counseling, and I don't know if I ever have a case where I'm not somehow addressing issues of trust. Yeah. Especially in regard to communication, whether 
it's a trust issue between a husband and a wife or a parent and a child or an employee and an employer or even within self having, you know, do I trust myself? Yeah. And, and really understanding the bids that happen in relationship and how those for me are the deal breaker in regard to either building or losing trust. It's amazing when you think about what you just articulated and how hard it is to lose or how hard it is to build trust and how easy it is to lose that we don't appear to be more vigilant about guarding it. I don't think we understand it because we come primarily from an egocentric perspective. You know, we live in a me-centric world. Yeah. I think I think maturity expands that. The more mature a person is, the more that they have a tension or a, a yeah, a tension between self-awareness and other awareness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm in the kitchen with my wife. You know, we're empty nesters. Yeah. Uh, Emma took her dog, so we just have one child at home, and that's my golden retriever, Odin. And um, he's doing really good without Ardman, my daughter's chocolate lab, because goldens tend to like to be only children. Yes. They like all the attention. Yes. And so he's doing actually really good. So I'm at the kitchen counter, and I'm looking for a utensil to open a plastic bag that has lettuce on the inside. And my wife is in the kitchen and she's by the drawer that has the scissors. And I asked for the scissors and she pulls out a pair of scissors and hands them to me, but they're the junky scissors. <laughs> they're the scissors that don't work and I don't like them. And we have two pairs of those junky scissors and we have one Cutco we bought a long time ago that cuts anything. Right. I, I mean, I can take these out into the garden and cut like small branches, you right. know, grass. I'm the kind of guy that uses tools for all purposes. My wife, it's a food grade instrument. Right. Only dedicated to like one purpose. And so I said, no, I don't want those. I want the good ones. And she goes, it's not for cutting plastic. You know, and there in that dynamic there's a trust factor, not scientific, but there's a bid from me to her, from her to me, and I didn't succeed. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand why that was important to her. And if she doesn't feel that I'm getting her and the reason why she believes that food grade scissor should only be dedicated to certain, then she's not going to feel that um, she can trust me. Well, and you don't trust her opinion. Big bingo. And being married 28 years, I find that I'm still in the the process of interrelating and learning more about myself, about my spouse, in the little things like kitchen utensils. So to your point, trust is fluid. Absolutely. And the relationship between trust and respect would be... Um, how would I articulate that? Compatibility. I mean, can you have one without the other? 
who's the author of that concept of the book Love and Respect? Inglehart, yeah, whatever his name is. Pardon me for not remembering it, but he wrote that book um, in regard to men want respect, women want love. When men don't feel respected, they don't get love. When the wife doesn't get love, she doesn't give respect. And they call that the crazy cycle. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think you're right. It It's a matter of, can I trust you? This is my thought. Can I trust you to get me? Can I trust you that you'll understand me? Can I trust you that you'll be with me while I don't necessarily understand myself? Because trust is fluid because the dynamics within relationship are so fluid. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at it, and to his point, um, was it Emerson? Is his first name? Yes. Yeah. He he talks about the two different needs. Women need to feel that they can trust us, and men generally feel that respect is important. So you come at it from a different angle. But to me, it's kind of like a lock and a key, right? They both are required to open something up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Can Can you think of an example in in your world and your experiences where you've had issues with trust or or respect? I can. Um, my son and I, my son probably more than I today, are kind of like gearheads. We, you know, he grew up working on jeeps with me um going back and forth uh probably on not a real high level but wrenching in the garage and those kind of things and then he went away to college Mm -hmm. and he he got a double major in automotive and diesel technology and so then he comes back and we're once again messing around with the Jeep. Um, he has been refurbishing or rebuilding a truck um, kind of thing. And I was helping him out in the garage, and I didn't even notice that I was, like, still coaching him, mm-hmm. even though his knowledge of those things <laughs> has surpassed mine. Mm-hmm. And he challenged me on it. And it it dawned on me in that moment, it was like, not only was I unaware that I was still like the teacher student kind of relationship, but I wasn't trusting him Mm -hmm. to know what he was doing. Ironically, at the same time, he knew more than I did. Yeah. And I just found that as an interesting trust. Wow. That's a great image that you've created for me in terms of the, the sensitivity of trust in relationship where you would have to position yourself with understanding that he has this now knowledge that he wants to practice and that you're just going to trust that he's going to practice that according to his ability and just let it play out. Yeah. And if I trust him, I, I recognize and respect him. I recognize the role reversal. Now I'm the student and he's the teacher. Yeah. Like I'm going to trust you to lead on this project. Exactly. Meaning I'm going to get out of the way, right? 
Yeah. And let you play the role of leader. Yeah. Because it's wise. He does have a greater knowledge base than I do and a greater skill set than mine. So it just, but it's interesting to our point about the fluidity of trust and respect. It's like, I, so much of this is happening so fast in our relationships that we don't slow it down and take a moment to think about, like, I trust you. And it's after a number of years of relationship and working together and things Mm -hmm. like that. But I don't, I just assume I take for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would even say going back to your, your example with Maya, there seems to be a connection with my inability to trust in that scenario of working with Maya that if I don't trust, is that an indication of my insecurity or immaturity? I would think so. I also, I would also argue that it's an issue of control or power. Mm-hmm. If I don't trust, I'm going to power up. Something has to fill that void, right? Right. Is that your computer dinging? I don't know. You need to silence all of your electronic devices. Sorry for this momentary um, delay in programming. (laughs) Although I could probably just delete this from the recording. But I think the, the, the point you're making now in mistrust, the idea that I then, because of insecurity, use my my authority or my positional authority, like parent to power up, to make the other person in this case, Maya kind of feel like you're not trustworthy. Really? Yeah. Even even though you got the education, I'm clearly the one who knows more. You need to follow my lead. I'm powering up. I am. Or I, I use positional. I'm his dad. Yeah. Right. I'm always supposed to know or be in charge or, you know, there's never a time where I'm not supposed to be the professor and he's supposed to be the student, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail, but to me, that's not good parenting. Better parenting is to recognize what I eventually recognized in the garage that day is, oh, I'm really the student in this scenario and I can trust my son to deliver on the goods. Regardless of what actually happens, you don't stop trusting because in this case, Maya may have to work through some mistakes in order to figure it out. Yeah. So not only do you trust him, you trust him that he has the ability to figure it out and get through the problem. Thus, he's going to gain a new level of respect for you when you allow him to be who he is. And I will gain a new level of respect because he will solidify the fact that, yeah, he's growing. Because safety is key here. Totally. I need to know that I can feel safe to be me and that you trust me to be me. I may not trust me to be me, but if if I know you have my back, then I'm going to have more comfort trying knowing that if I do fail, you're still going to be there supporting me. That's the ultimate trust and respect uh, that I trust and respect you in failure. You, you bring out a really good important point. And I don't know that I would have connected the dots, but the issue of safety. So we talk about trust, earning and losing trust. We talk about earning and losing 
respect, but safety makes those things possible. Yeah. Yeah. Safety. We, we said before, you know, before we started recording, we had a quick conversation and we talked about the idea that trust is so foundational or it is the essence. It's like air. It's like water. Um, it's something that is going to be necessary in relationship for it to thrive, for it to grow. But you made the point that trust also can be excluded from relationship. Yeah, I personally believe that the only thing you cannot delete from a relationship, which relationships are the context of life, we don't have life outside of relationship, is power, control, influence, or authority. And I see those words as interchangeable, even though some of the scientific literature defines them differently or differ, different disciplines um, have, an, you know, nuances to these definitions. I generally think of authority or power as influence. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can delete trust, you can delete love, you can delete respect. But the one thing that cannot be deleted from a relationship is the issue of power or influence. Mm-hmm. And then maturity mandates how I use or misuse that power. Yeah. And so if, if you're okay, I want to, I want to save the conversation for next episode on what we might call the abuse of power, power, right? Totally. Because that's a topic that deserves its own 30 minute spot, maybe longer because we do live in a world where there is an abuse of power. I know I've been guilty of, of using the authority given to me in an abusive way. Yeah, I I would claim the same. So we'll talk about that next time. But as we're setting up the stage for this, the reality is the nuances of establishing trust requires significant self-awareness. Yes, which which is supported in literature. You look at the the uh, information about emotional intelligence. I'm aware of me. I'm aware of you. Yeah, is usually the first point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. When, when I'm operating in a relationship, whether that's a marital relationship or a parental relationship or an employment relationship, and trust is not present or it's not the focus, what happens? I think you get careless. You, you, if you don't have trust in a relationship, it, it hinders the growth of that relationship it it um it won't function in a healthy manner Mm -hmm. in fact i might even go so far to say if you can't trust you you won't have you won't have a healthy relationship Mm -hmm. it precludes it yet there are relationships all over the place that don't really have an established trust basis exactly and therefore they exist but they're they're not thriving. No, it would be the it's, metaphor. It's, it's promoting more autonomy is good, right? Individuality, differentiation, the idea of autonomy is really healthy, but not when it's fostered from a sense of distrust that isolates. Right, and that autonomy is a respect issue. I respect your individuality. When trust isn't present in a relationship or it's, distorted, diluted, whatever you want to say. The metaphor I would think about is a disease of the body. Mm -hmm. 
when when there's a lack of respect and a lack of trust, however we define it or whatever, there's a disease, a, a tangible disease in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as long as you have a diseased body, you have to address and compensate for whatever that disease is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. I don't know if people would have the, the average person would have the ability to diagnose that as disease. I think that they would feel the effect of it. And then with help could see how that disease is manifesting in their life. Um, again, we'll talk about the abuse of power more in our next episode, but it's worth referencing in this point that you're making is that sometimes I can be, like gaslighting, for example, yeah. is a common feature that I see in in relationships. Yeah. Specifically, um, you know, marriage relationships. Yep, definitely. Where you have one individual who's not taking personal responsibility and let's call it the husband, and he's trying to blame shift and he's trying to make the the, the wife feel responsible for his actions. And so yeah. it's a mind game where you twist things around making in this, in this example, the wife feel responsible for his actions. Yeah. It's very, very twisted, but it's an abuse of authority. Right. And it, it signifies a lack of respect and a lack of trust. It's, it's all intermingled. It's like heart, lungs, liver, you know, ideally you don't want to try and you won't be able to live without any of those. And so the relationship requires healthy relationships require a healthy heart, healthy lungs, healthy liver. Absolutely. Um, you know, I often think of trust building in my relationships with animals. Yeah. Because animals have a sixth sense. Yeah. You know, they say that. And uh, my, my family, my girls have been around horses a long time. I actually rode, I have a cowboy hat. Nice. And leathers <laughs> and a cool belt buckle. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I actually rode. I got a blue ribbon. Nice. Riding my, uh, my daughter's horse, Betty, many years ago, right after I rode that horse and, and won the big blue ribbon, uh, I broke my ankle playing softball and my career was over. Darn, Darn it. it was just at the beginning. It was just at the beginning. Fame and stardom was, was mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remembered when I was riding, I had decided to ride horses because I was trying to coach my kids from the sidelines while they were riding. Yes. And I'm like, how, how can you tell them what to do when you've never had any experience? And so I volunteered, which Mary Carlton, the trainer out at Crystal Farms in Marshall, Michigan, great place to um, ride horses. Um, she voluntarily said, yeah, let's get you on a horse. Let's start riding. And what I found was how instinctive the horse was to read me like male. Yes. They, they could read me more than I could read me. And so whatever the, the nervousness or the fear was, they would capitalize on that. Not, not for like, I'm going to take advantage of you and hurt you. I'm just looking for somebody I can trust. And if you have fear, then I have fear. And so I'm going to be being prey. I'm going to buck against this because I don't feel safe. 
So really, in, in equestrian disciplines, you have to have a sense of confidence that the horse can trust. So it's a little bit like trust is mirrored. I trust you, you trust me. Bingo. Gotcha. And in this case with the animal, same thing with my dog, Odin. He sticks to me like glue because I think he feels safe. Yeah. He, he wants to please me. He really does. Now, of course, I feed him little treats and snacks. But there's a sense in these two animal examples where they feel safe under my care if my care is loving and supportive and not manipulative. They are going to give themselves to me. And really, that 2,000, 3,000-pound animal, the horse, will do whatever I ask with little cues from my legs or the bridle with the bit in the horse's mouth. As long as I respect the horse or respect the dog, they will give their heart to me and follow my lead. It's a trust-respect relationship. It's a mutual relationship. And I think that's what we're coming to is the need for this to be mutual, not coercive, not manipulative, but mutual. When it's mutual, the issue of power is equitable. Yes. Well said, Dr. Rob. <laughs> I like equity. I do too. In this relationship. So I think with, with that mindset, this is really a dance. I even think of it as poetry. It's something, it's a narrative. It's something that's being written in your life. And you were designed to really flow in relationship, to be afforded the opportunity to grow in intimacy because of maturity, like we've talked about in yeah. previous podcasts. Because I have the, the, the ability to, you know, distinguish between those authoritative messages that were kind of shaping my life and I've grown somewhat independent and I understand who I am and I, I've integrated some of my identity work and I have a knowledge of my self-worth and I'm, I have more ability to be controlled in my choices. Mm -hmm. That's all, right, the maturity yeah. piece, yeah. which allows me to be intimate. Yeah. I'm trying to be like you <laughs> wouldn't waste your time. In, in, in terms of being able to articulate that theory, but it is something that evolves over time with intention. Yeah. You have authority, identity, self-worth, and self-control, which are all fluid, I would argue, sequential too. But to your earlier point, the things that you and I are talking about, they're not necessarily intentional. We, I think they should be more intentional, like mm -hmm. deep breathing exercises, right? When you breathe well, mm -hmm. you feel better. We need more intentionality. But to an earlier point that you made, it's like, yeah, I don't come across, I don't think about, oh, I have to walk into the office and trust you today. Right. I trust you because of history and experience and knowledge and brotherhood and all these other really cool things. Um, to your point, mutual, mutual respect, mutual trust, those kind of things, all maturity, all lend itself to, oh, I don't have to think about trusting Matt today. It's just natural to me like breathing. I think that's, that's wonderful for you, but, and we'll, we'll again touch on this in our next episode, but our relationship is about four years old. Yeah. And when I came in, I had big trust issues from abuse of power from a, a previous experience with an employer. Yeah. 
And um, so me coming in, unfortunately for you, I ascribed the same judgment that I experienced from my previous employer to you. Yeah. So you had to earn my trust, which was based on your character and conduct being consistent with your words. Yeah. And I was on you like white is on rice <laughs> in terms of measuring when are you going to fail me because in gaslighting or in manipulation, emotional, spiritual, uh, intellectual yeah. manipulation, you have to regain that posture of, of self-concept, that integrity that belongs to me that I let go. But you over time, because of your consistency of character and conduct, you eventually earned enough trust with me that I could trust you. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that you aren't trustworthy. It just means I have to decide if you're trustworthy. Like, you can't say, Matt, this is a safe place to work. Right. You can't say that. No. It has to be experienced over time. Yeah. And, and I'll be the one that decides if it's safe. Yeah. And generally, I would go so far to say if, like, if I was running around saying this is a safe place to work, that's an indication that it probably isn't safe. And now we're back to the trust respect yeah. and the mutualness, the mutualness. And I also think what you're describing, um, at least in part, uh, definitely maturity, but for trust and respect to really thrive, you have to have that mutual element to it. Mm -hmm. That's what creates the safety. Yeah, and I think we will focus on that next time. We've, Good. We've arrived at 30 minutes. Wow. We, we want to keep our conversation um, short and sweet. Hopefully it's been sweet. <laughs> um, but I think the reality as we, um, as we kind of end this conversation is to know that next time we're going to be talking more about whether it's a parental relationship, a marriage relationship, an employment relationship, how do we gain understanding about the abuse of power? The abuse of my power in my relationship with my wife, my kids, my interns that I'm, I'm serving. We're going to talk more about that in our next episode to help our listeners capture an idea of what does it look like to be trustworthy? Sounds good. To be respectable. Yeah. Sound good? That's to me. We appreciate you tuning in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. We hope that you have a blessed day wherever that may lead you. <laughs>